0: Hello, I'm Chris Kreitcho, and this is the New Podcast, a show about learning the Rust programming language. This is bonus episode one, polyglot programming promises and perils. Try saying that five times fast. Normally, this is a 15 to 20 minute show talking about some technical aspect of Rust in some detail. This week, however, I have been traveling and will be traveling, so I have not had time to prepare anything of that scale, so I thought I would do something shorter and a little bit, quote-unquote, softer instead. Today, I'm just going to chat a little bit about, as I said in the title, the promises and perils of polyglot programming. Over the past couple of years, I have been working to pick up a number of programming languages, and this year alone, I have worked in C, C++, Python, and JavaScript, and I have also read Haskell, Elixir, Ruby, and quite a bit of Rust. And of course, Rust is the one I have been focusing on the most. A few weeks ago, I was in a technical interview for a job doing some JavaScript work, and I was walking through solving a particular problem in the task, and I could not figure out why my function was not behaving the way I wanted. After watching me beat my head against the wall for about two minutes and just grow increasingly frustrated, the interviewer noted that I didn't have a return statement in my function. And I laughed, and I explained, ah. That's because I'm used to Rust. I had left it as a final expression, no semicolon, and was expecting it to return the value, and that to be the value of the function, as you would see in Rust, and in fact as you would see in many functional style programming languages. When you're learning more than one language, or when you're working in more than one language, sometimes you find yourself reaching for things that another language can do, because it's just part of your mental toolbox. You think, final expression return, and move on, and then you come back to your function and cannot see what it's doing. Sure, there are ways around that. Had I been running an active debugger, I'd have seen pretty quickly, oh, it's returning none, and I would have understood exactly what the problem was, and solved it quickly enough. More interesting to me was the simple reality that I basically had mental interference happening. Things from one language were bleeding over into another, and this happens sometimes when you're dealing with standard libraries between languages. I have often had to say, now wait, is it Len or length, and is it attached to the object or do you call it on the object when thinking about JavaScript arrays and Python arrays? Because, well, I go back and forth between the two quite regularly, and every time I use the length of an array, I have to think and pause rather than just doing instinctively. Whereas when I'm in C, it's different enough, and the library is different enough that I know what's going on, and among other things, I know that there isn't a convenient way to access the length of some kinds of arrays. So the short takeaway here is simply that there is difficulty that comes with learning multiple languages and using multiple languages at the same time. However, there is also a great deal of promise in it because the ways you learn to think as you tackle a new language, especially one that is outside the paradigm to which you're accustomed, can then filter back over in helpful ways too. For example, having spent a fair bit of time looking at languages with algebraic data types, things like enumerations, over the last year, and in particular having gotten familiar with Haskell's maybe type and Swift and Rust's option and optional types, whenever I go back to languages like JavaScript and Python, which don't have those, and in JavaScript's case are just much more weakly typed in general, I miss them, but it also makes me think about how to structure my programs in a way to account for that problem, because now I'm aware of the problem, and I am aware of the ways in which it can bite me, and of course, I don't have the same convenient solutions in place. But I can be, simply by dint of awareness of that problem, more capable and more thoughtful in addressing it. Going back to last week's discussion, the way I think about how my functions talk to each other. If I have places where none or undefined can crop up unexpectedly, I can now think about that and at least account for it maybe I don't love it, maybe I'm sitting there wishing that I had option or maybe or something like that, but at least it exists. And there are many things about this kind of uh, interplay that are very helpful learning to think in more functional patterns from reading quite a bit of Elixir and Haskell at the beginning of this year and looking at f sharp a bit and so on has influenced the way I think about handling data in even C programs, but especially Python and now Rust. That kind of back and forth makes me a better object-oriented programmer, makes me even a better imperative programmer when I'm dealing with C. And I can see that looking at the code I write and looking back at code I wrote before this and thinking, oh, I wouldn't do it that way anymore. So while there are risks, so to speak, in learning new languages, and while there are risks in working in multiple languages at the same time, I think, the gain is worth it because you learn to think so much more clearly and in so many more ways. You have enough more tools in your toolbox that that outweighs the cost of the mental juggling that you have to do and the correcting yourself that you sometimes have to do when you realize that, whoops, you just acted like you had final... expression returns in this language, and it's JavaScript, and you don't. And all you've done is compute an expression and then done nothing with it. Not so helpful. All of that to say, learn some more programming languages, wherever you're at. If you've spent the last decade writing Java, maybe pick up Scala. You won't have some of the mental interference from standard library problems that I've had switching between Python and JavaScript, but you'll have a chance to learn something that Is very different in its paradigm from what you've been doing, and that will make you a better Java developer. Same thing with C-sharp and F-sharp. Same thing with Ruby and Elixir. Any of these will help you think about the existing code that you're writing in your day job, as it were, in a better way, and will make you a better developer overall. And of course, you might just find that you've fallen in love with F-Sharp or Scala or Elixir and go running off to chase those things down. And who knows, they might become a future part of your career, or they might just be something that continues to impact how you do whatever it is you do currently. Either way, it'll pay off, almost certainly. Thanks again to Chris Patty for sponsoring the show this month. You can find a full list of sponsors in the show notes. If you'd like to sponsor the show, you can pledge monthly at patreon.com slash or you can give a one-off donation at Venmo, Dwala, or cash.me. Links to all of those will be in the show notes. You can find those show notes at NeuraStation.com, and you can follow the show on Twitter or app.net at NeuraStation, or send me an email at hello at NeuraStation.com. You can also follow me on Twitter or app.net at Chris Kreitcho. Until next time, happy coding. This is bonus episode one polyglot polyglot programming promises and polyglot programming promises and this is bonus episode one polyglot programming promises polyglot programming prom polyglot programming promises and perils. Try saying that five times fast. <laughs> oh, wow, I just did.